Richmond's Renaissance. James March journeys to the capital of Virginia State to explore the Jefferson Hotel, Maymont Mansion, and the Virginia Museum of Fine Arts. This is one of the journey narratives brought to you in paid partnership with Virginia Tourism Corporation. It's a humid late summer day in Richmond, Virginia's state capital, and I'm looking forward to air-conditioned refuge inside the angular confines of the Virginia Museum of Fine Arts. But I'm stopped in my tracks on the way in. Soaring 27 foot above me, artist Kahinde Wiley's Rumors of War statue defends the museum on horseback like a great Roman Praetorian guard, except the man straddling the horse is African-American, dressed in contemporary clothes, hoodie, ripped jeans, Nike trainers, with an unflappable, defiant look in his eyes. It's no coincidence that this provocative bronze creation stands only a few blocks from Monument Avenue, the grassy mall plotting a course away from downtown Richmond, so named for its emblematic row of statues honoring those who fought for the Confederacy during the American Civil War. Many of those controversial structures were removed following the George Lloyd protests, but this statue stands tall, a symbol of a modern, proud, and diverse Richmond. Located two hours south of Washington, D.C. by Carl Amtrak, the former Confederate capital has become a dynamic and luxurious escape in recent years, with some wildly good dining, cultural, and accommodation options. Flanked to the south by the winding hem of the James River, which eventually empties into the Chesapeake Bay, a weekend in Richmond is an eye-opening melange of heritage and creativity. Gazing up at rumors of war isn't the first time I'm struck by extraordinary architecture in this historic city. The monolithic Jefferson Hotel rises above Richmond in grand stone foldings, taking up an entire block. Such is its magnitude. But there's intricacy in its design too. Dating back to 1895 in the Spanish Baroque style, its imposing facade unfurls in half-moon arches, neoclassical columns, and slanting tiled roofs. Walking into the breezy Palm Court lobby, I'm greeted by a white marble statue of Thomas Jefferson, the third president and the hotel's namesake. Shards of light filter through a beautiful glass dome above me, while a crooning voice sings alongside a bouncing trombone through hidden speakers. Those mellow jazz sounds evoke further the sense of history, though I feel like I'm traversing several time periods inside this fine hotel. A devastating fire gutted its interior in 1901, just six years after opening, though that restoration led to a wall being pulled down and the formation of the majestic rotunda, a grand Edwardian hall flanked by portraits of presidents, dotted by chandeliers and candelabras, held up by forks marble columns and looked down upon by a curved cream ceiling embossed by ornate green leaves. They don't make them like this anymore, says Patrick Willis, executive chef at Le Maire, the Jefferson's sublime restaurant named after Thomas Jefferson's maitre d' Etienne Le Maire. A Virginia native, Willis is a tall, laid-back figure with a deep southern drawl who's about to celebrate his 15th year at Le Maire having joined the restaurant in 2009. With original high mirrors from 1895, a floral-patterned carpet, 
intricate white plasterwork and elaborate glass chandeliers, sitting in Le Maire feels like stepping back to the turn of the century. Closing my eyes, I can imagine this room once being a smoky haven for pontificating on politics and sundry other topics of the day. It's southern food with French techniques, explains Willis on Le Maire's style of food. I like to describe it as regional American. We like to source from Chesapeake Bay. Raw oysters are one of the main staples and fried oysters too, believe it or not. We also make a delicious blue crab cake that's hard to keep on our shelves. Seafood is real big in Richmond. Le Maire has been plating up quality food for some years, but Richmond itself is at the forefront of a gastronomic revolution, with local chefs returning from New York to open up their own joints in the city. One chef who came home is Brittany Anderson, opening rustic European-influenced restaurants like Metzger Bar and Butchery and Brenner Pass. The latter of these sits amid the converted warehouses of the Scots Edition neighborhood, where over 15 art-splashed breweries and cideries now call home, and whose creativity is on show throughout the week. Back at Virginia Museum of Fine Arts, work by some of the world's greatest creatives is on show for free. From their 15-plus John Singer sergeants to the largest public collection of gleaming Fabergé eggs outside of Russia. These collections in so many aspects are quite unbelievable. We're in a small city in Virginia. People just don't expect to see them, says Alex Nergesh, the museum's director and chief executive officer. Impeccably suited and hugely passionate about his work, Nergesh is an engaging ball of energy who speaks with a sort of husky voice that can narrate a Hollywood movie trailer. We have a major exhibition program, and we say it's the engine that drives the train. We've hosted exhibitions from the Musée Picasso in Paris to treasures from the Forbidden City in China. The VMFA opened in 1936 and was the first state art museum in the United States. A short drive south towards the northern banks of the James River and sitting inside a bucolic 100-acre Victorian estate and public park, Maymont Mansion feels like a museum itself and is a lavish example of the Gilded Age, 1870 to 1900, when the US saw a sustained period of economic growth. Built by well-heeled local lawyer and philanthropist James Dooley, Maymont's rooms initially appear fairly standard for a stately home, but a closer look reveals an abode altogether quirkier. Mirrors held up by narwhal tusks, transitional light fixtures, both gas and electric, and, most notably, a garish blue and white swan-shaped bed. Despite the eccentric interior, the property's Japanese garden is a much more languid setting. I imagine it is enchanting all year round, and right now it is the perfect respite for the oppressive late afternoon heat. I spend some time there to recharge my batteries with only the mellifluous sound of a cascading waterfall and the staccato yelps of ospreys and blue jays for company. At dinner in Le Maire that evening, great curtains of rain howl against the Jefferson's sturdy stone exterior. But by the following morning, I'm greeted once again by effulgent flares of sunlight pouring through the bedroom's windows. Much like Richmond itself, the day is reinvented and the city has another blank canvas from which to paint an ongoing and fascinating story. Find out more at virginia.org. <laughs>